What's going on, Military Cash Flow family? Hey, so um, we got a great guest for you today, man. Um, it's going to be awesome. Before we touch on that, I want to touch on the Facebook group a little bit. Um, we have, uh, we've got some great service members in our Facebook group that are doing great things. So if you're listening to this and you haven't joined the Military Cashflow Facebook group, definitely need to do that. Um, literally just yesterday, I had a meeting with um, several people from the group and we were talking cryptocurrency. We got on a Zoom chat and uh, they helped me buy my first bit of cryptocurrency. So I got some Bitcoin, Ethereum and Solano now. And I'm gonna, uh, there's a couple other ones that I wanna buy here soon, but uh, we're gonna be doing another meeting uh, probably another couple of weeks uh, to try to help me as a newbie really understand uh, the whole crypto world. And I say all this to say, like, you know, there there really are some great people in the group um, that are doing great things in every facet of building cash flow, whether it be, you know, vending machines, whether it be Toro, whether it be uh, cryptocurrency, whether obviously real estate, you know, but um, reach out to the group, man. If you got some questions on any ways to build cash flow as, as an active duty service member, like while you're while you're serving, dude, these are things that you can be doing while you're serving, building it, building um, some additional cash flow while you're serving. There's people in the group that are actually doing that, and they're very successful at, it, and they can help you do the same thing. So, um, you know, if you want to make a post and you guys want to like meet together or something like that, definitely do it because. I mean, I did it myself. So, and I learned a lot about cryptocurrency um, and yeah, I just wanted to touch bases on that. But regarding our guests, speaking of great people in the group that know and specialize in a certain thing, we got Von Bethel on and he is a wholesale guru. This dude's like crushing it in wholesaling. He talks about, uh, I think he did 1.3 in 2021 um, in revenue. So he's just, he's, he's crushing it. He's coming up with a bunch of creative solutions to, um, to help other homeowners or help, help, excuse me, I got a tongue twisted there <laughs> to help other people, uh, get into home ownership, uh, that wouldn't traditionally qualify through FHA or VA or any of these other things. So, um, he's doing great things out and he's, he's doing great things out for the world and his community uh, while also being able to generate a significant amount of income doing it as well. So, um, without further ado, I'm not going to go, go too deep into his story, but without further ado, uh, here goes the episode. You'll definitely want to listen to it. It's an awesome story. Hey, how's it going? This is Dan Wynn and Mike Glassby. And this is the military cash flow podcast, where we teach service members how to build wealth and create passive cash flow through real estate. We cover real deals, real numbers, and real lessons learned from other successful investors. Now, whether you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening on the podcast, we need you to like, share, and subscribe. Now, let's get started creating this military cash flow. What's going on, military cash flow family? I'm really excited today. I got my uh, brother, Vaughn Bethel, on today. Hey, um, thanks for coming on, Vaughn. Would you please let us know a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what you're doing in the real estate space? What's going on, man? I appreciate you having me on, uh, man. It's a, uh, you know, I'm here in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, been real estate, uh, part of real estate investing for about three and a half years. Um, and you know, when I got into real estate three and a half years ago, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Uh, so, but I dove all in, man. It's a passion of mine now for sure. You know, I always been interested in it, but didn't know where to jump. Uh, so I jumped in three and a half years ago doing some wholesaling. Um, and really, when I started. Uh, it took me about four or five months to figure out what the heck to do, right? You know, watching, uh, you know, podcasts, you know, 
uh, listen to the podcast in my car, YouTube University, things such as that. Um, well, you know, long story short, uh, it took me about four or five months to get my first deal. Um, and then after that, I was like, proof of concept, let's go. And uh, made 30 grand spread on our first wholesale deal, man. And it was, it was, it was awesome. Nice. Um, so, so yeah, man. Wanna, uh, so, so, so we got, we got it. You're, you're doing the wholesaling. Uh, you got into your first deal. I want to start off a, a little bit uh, on the back end first, uh, kind of, or the beginning, the beginning of the deal yeah. first, right? Like I'd for love sure. to know uh, what, what it was like for you uh, getting introduced to real estate like how did you get introduced to it like what was your did you have someone in your family that kind of introduced you to it or how did that even start how did your journey even start gotcha man gotcha well I, I, if you take it way back you know when I was growing up uh, my dad is a contractor he's a general contractor um, for as long as I remember he, he's a general contractor he's on his own construction business um, but when I was growing up you know I didn't like it I didn't want anything to do with it because you know what if I wanted to make some extra money, you know, my dad had, had me out there doing manual labor. And as a teenager, man, it was like, heck no, I don't want to be doing this. Uh, but I did what I what I had to do to make some money and uh, went off to college. And I just threw that in the rearview mirror, right? So, uh, I, you know, moved nine hours away to Greenville, South Carolina from Florida. Um, you know, played soccer at Furman University, D1 program. Uh, went on to play for the Bahamas national team. And uh, major majored in health and exercise science, and from there I was hooked on personal training, sports performance, uh, the exercise science component of it. So I ended up opening up my own fitness facility, and uh, you know that was in January 2005. Uh, I actually grew my clientele to about 23 clients, uh, soccer players that I was training on soccer fields, and um, a couple of personal training clients that I was training in you know various gyms uh, before I opened up the doors to my own facility. So January 2005 open up the doors to my own facility with 23 clients. And over the course of the, the next 11 years, I grew that to 350 clients and a staff of 14. So uh, we're, we're doing very well, man. It was, uh, it was uh, pretty successful. No, that problem is, that, that is ahead. awesome. That, no, that, that's extremely impressive, man. That's, that's, I thought you, when you mentioned, like I started in 2005, I was uh, yeah. getting ready, getting my, myself mentally prepared for you, for you to say like, Oh, and 2006 happened or 2008 happened. Yeah. And now I'm like, you know, clientele dropped off. But man, you expanded like big time, dude. That's awesome. Absolutely, That's man. Two, 2008 did happen, but you know, I'm a grinder, man. You know, I don't <laughs> let uh, outside circumstances affect what I'm doing. So uh, awesome. actually in 2008, from 2008 to 2010, we had the most growth in our company uh, at that time. So sometimes you got to knuckle up and, you know, you know, put the pedal to the metal and grind. So, uh, you know, grew that company. Um, successful company. And from the outside looking in, it was very successful, right? But I grew myself a glorified job. So I didn't set up the right systems and processes from the start. I didn't hire the right people. Um, you know, and, and, and I, I, I was a good leader, but I wouldn't say I was a great leader, right? Um, so when I say I, I grew myself a glorified job, man, I was working 24-7, 365. Uh, you know, I had trained my, my team to come to me for solutions, right? Mm. Uh, so, you know, I was always the one that they would come to, uh, I was the, uh, bottleneck. And with that being said, in the fitness industry, we all know when people like to work out, right? We work out before work, after work and at lunchtime. So I'm there, I was in the gym <laughs> 18 hours a day, man, 18 hours a day. Even on Saturdays, I was there, you know, from 6am to about two or three o'clock. Um, and then Sundays, man, I was so tired, stressed out. I just wanted to veg out. Well, the problem is, is I had two young kids at home, been married for a while, 
and I wasn't giving them my full attention. So long story short, man, that uh, the company, the business, the stress uh, almost ran me into the ground. I was on the verge of a nervous breakdown and I literally made the decision to just walk away for my health and for my family to just walk away, dude. And that was in uh, August of 2016. I, so after- No, I, I, lo I love that story. And I really, really appreciate you telling that story because oftentimes uh, we, we have these ideas of what we wanna build and what it's gonna look like until we actually get in that space, right? And, and it also for the, just like you said, outside looking in, right? We, I mean, you're talking about 300 something clientele, you're talking about 14 employees. I think you said 14 employees, a whole gym yep. facility. You know, you, you were a D1 soccer star and now you, you, know, you transitioned over it, from the outside looking in. It's like, man, that's, that's fantastic. This guy's got it, this guy's got it together. But, you know, sometimes, the stress, like you said, the stress and the and, and the overworking can get to you, especially what it does to your family. So uh, I, I really appreciate you sharing that and actually exposing that because oftentimes what, we'll, uh, what a lot of people will do will just tell the great things about it, right? We don't talk yep. about, you know, the, uh, the bad parts or, you know, what they can lead to and what the end result can be. So I really, I really appreciate you, you, you kind of going over that. Now, the um while you were going through that right so you chose to walk away mm -hmm. what and, and i know the stress in the family like what was the number one concern what where were your what was your mind at at that time like like i would imagine if i if i built such a if i built a successful company like that i'd be trying like whatever i could to figure out how to manage both or, or to do something so I, I know that had to be a serious like uh mental shift somewhere around there like what was that like for you yeah, man, is, uh, you know, everybody hits a, uh, you know, basically uh, a turning point, right? And I wouldn't say it's rock bottom, it's, it's when one thing becomes not as important as something else, right? And for me, my family and my health is more important than making money or having a successful business. Everything looks gravy on the outside, right? But if you're struggling on the inside and you can't sleep at night and it's affecting your, your health, it's affecting your relationships, I mean, something's got to change. And I got, literally got to that point where, you know, I just saw no end in sight, um, you know, for me to put the systems and processes in place um, to get my team, you know, it'll literally have to be just a, a, a complete do-over. Um, but with 350 clients, they're happy. I got, you know, with their training staff and things such as that, um, it, it just, that wasn't an option. So after praying about it a lot and uh, talking to my wife and, uh, you know, looking at, uh, you know, seeing the look on her face every weekend when, you know, I'm just vegging out on the couch because <laughs> I don't want to think about anything. Um, it, it really became an easy decision. Now, the actual action of going in and telling my team and telling my clients was one of the toughest things I've ever had to do. Um, but you know what? I had taken care of everybody else before that point. It was time for me to take care of myself and my family. So when you look at it that way, it, it was an easy decision. That's key, man. That's key. Those tough decisions, man. But I, I yeah, I, I really applaud you uh, for, for doing that. Cause I don't think a lot of people out there would, would actually one, be able to recognize what's happening and then two, make the decision for themselves and their family. And we deal that, we deal with that in the military a lot too. I know there's a lot of career soldiers uh, out there that literally put everything before, you know, their, their family and, you know, their, their health, their mental health, their physical health, their spiritual health. Uh, so I, I really applaud you for being able to recognize that and then take action to, to do what you needed to do uh, for your for yourself and for your family. So what was next? Yeah, man. So, you know, really what it came down to is I, I really had to determine that 
I had to put myself first, right? And, you know, one of my coaches used to tell me all the time, he said, when you get better, everything gets better. So I had to really focus on myself. And, you know, I'd been in the fitness industry for 15 years at that point. So fitness, I was fitness, right? So people, I was the sports performance soccer guy, you know, around town. I was the personal training, you know, we were doing CrossFit before CrossFit was even a thing. Um, so, you know, our, our tagline was train like an athlete. So we took that whole sports performance mix with personal training aspect. And, you know, that's what I was passionate about at the time, but I just, I, I burned out. So I had to really figure out who I was, right? Because when you're tied to one industry for so long, unfortunately you identify as that particular industry industry. So now like literally I was to the point where I didn't even want to step foot in the gym. I didn't, yeah, I got a gym in my basement and I didn't even want to work out. Like I was just so burnt out because, uh, because of that. So I really had to figure out who I was, what I wanted to do. I tried a couple of things over the next year, um, but just wasn't passionate about anything. I even, uh, about a year after I closed my gym, um, I even took a job as a, uh, <laughs> as a salesperson at a high-end remodeling company. And I would get, and I would probably say that that um, kind of sparked the real estate thing again. Yeah. You know, really, really from more of a construction standpoint, renovation standpoint. Uh, but this was your typical, re, uh, you know, high end remodeling company that, you know, where you get your little clipper magazines or your promotional things in, uh, in the mail. And it says, you know, uh, you want to add a sunroom to your house or a deck or a bathroom remodel or a kitchen remodel. Um, so I, I took a job as a salesperson and it was a one call close company. Right. So I would just wake up in the morning. I had three or four appointments scheduled drive to the uh, customer's house. And my job was to average spend at least an hour to an hour and a half in the house, getting them to know, like, and trust me, build rapport, explain to them that we were the best company to go with for the best experience. We were the best solution with the best quality. And even though that we weren't the cheapest, they should choose us. And, you know, I'm just a relationship driven person. So for me, it was easy. So over the course of the next year, I broke all their sales records, uh, brought over $2 million into the company. Um, but unfortunately, that was the only time in the last 20 years that I've ever worked for somebody else. So about six to nine months in, uh, I started seeing some signs that, that some things weren't right. So long story short, man, it's uh, they end up going out of business or filing bankruptcy uh, almost a year to the date of when I started. And it was because of uh, mismanagement of installation crews, production on the back end, and mismanagement of finances. And I realized very quickly that um, once I sold a, a job to somebody, so if I came and sold you a $60,000 sunroom, my job was to collect 30 to 50% down. So if you gave me a $30,000 check, and then I'm telling you this is what's supposed to be done, you know, within 24 hours, our office is going to call you set up a time for one of our production managers to come out to redo the measurements, make sure I didn't miss anything, uh, order the equipment, get you on the schedule. And then I start getting phone calls, you know, three, four, six, eight weeks later, reaching out to me and saying, Hey, we haven't heard anything from me, from your company. And I'm like, what? That's not how I do business. So I would call or go into the office and they just kept giving me the runaround. And uh, finally it just got to the point where, um, you know, when you don't believe in something, it's hard to sell it. Yeah. And I was still selling and I wasn't even intentionally trying to sell. So I just literally started calling in sick because I talked to my wife. I said, I just don't feel comfortable going in and selling these products. Yeah. When we're not doing what we say we can do. So at that point, 
when I realized I had no control over the deliverables, I was like, I can't do it. And so like your repetition is kind of on the line I, uh, at, at that point. Absolutely. Like, these people that got your number, these people see your face. I'm assuming it's in a s- similar community, right? Like I'm assuming you're selling kind of around. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, think about you this. Live, so think you run about somebody from the grocery store and they're like, hey, that asshole just <laughs> exactly <laughs> <pulled> my money. <laughs> exactly. Think about it this way. If I come to your house, sit at your kitchen table with you and your wife, and I just sold you a $60,000 sunroom, well, you see the company's logo on my chest, but you know my name. And I'm giving you my business card and my cell phone number. Right? Who's the face of the company at that time? You. Uh, you're, Me. You're 100% right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know my owner. You don't know the production staff. You don't know anybody else. You say, you, you know, you, you only know me. And the, the, the straw that uh, broke the camel's back is one day I was sitting on the couch watching TV with my daughter and I get a phone call. And so, you know, I answered the phone. And this lady that we had sold the bathroom remodel to, that we took uh, a $6,000 check from, right, for the down payment. Um, she called and, and she's like, I haven't heard from anybody, da 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 And then she said, you're a thief. You stole my money. You took my check. You did this and that. And, you know, she just started, like, going off on me, right, cussing me out for a good five minutes. Uh, and I'm explaining to her, hey, you know, I, yeah, I apologize. I have no idea what's going on. I'm, I don't own the company. Um, this is just my role. This is what I do. Let me see if I can find out anything. You didn't write the check out to my name. So it wasn't me taking your money. Da, 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 da. And uh, so it went on for about five or six minutes. And finally, I get off the phone, uh, hang up the phone or she hung up on me. And I look over and my daughter is bawling. Bawling. And the first thing she says to me is, Daddy, did you steal that lady's money? Hmm. And like my heart just dropped. And I'm like, no, honey, I, I daddy didn't steal your money or steal that lady's money. So uh, at that point, it was like, I'm not even going back. Right. Mm. So uh, actually, you know, so, two questions. One, were yeah. they robbing Peter to pay Paul? Because I've dealt with that before, too, as a contractor. And I imagine. Absolutely. Absolutely. Doing. So it was it was a combination of a bunch of things. Right. So uh, what, what I later found out is, um, one, they were taking people's deposits to, you know, pay for supplies or pay payroll and things such as that, thinking that they're going to catch up. Two, they started having a lot of uh, turnover in the installation crews and production, right? Um, and then three, mismanagement mismanagement of funds by the, the owner. Yeah, the mismanagement of funds leads to the issues with the, the turnover in workers like that. I, I, so Absolutely. If you guys listen to, like I, I put out a video like maybe two years ago um, on the first four unit, um, the first four unit renovation that I did. And that's exactly what I dealt, dealt with. I went through lawsuits. Um, now, luckily I protected myself because I didn't pay any down payment. I, what I said was I will pay for the labor and or I will pay for the materials, excuse me, you do the work and then I'll inspect it. And then, and then I can pay you out that much, pay you in draws yep. basically. Uh, so that was, that was my way of getting, uh, of being mitigated, but still it cost. this would be like a four month project turned into like nine or 10 months. And like there was, there was, you know, I lost a little bit of money, but it, it was a pain in the butt and it was a learning experience, but I, you know, I, I went in it knowing these are some of the things that could, that could happen. I went in, when it went in it as an investor, right? The people yep. that you were talking to were not investors. These guys are living in their primary residence. So yeah. with that said, what is something that like, cause I know there's others out there that are listening to this, right? And they, they might, yeah. they might be looking for a contract or something like that. What's something that they could do to protect themselves 
from a situation like that? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is uh, one, do your due diligence. So look at reviews, you know, research the company, uh, do all those types of things, uh, you know, and multiple review points, not just reviews that are on the website, look at the Better Business Bureau, look at any uh, industry specific, you know, standard sites, um, and make sure that they're reputable from that from that standpoint. But with that being said, our, our boss, the owner of the company, did a great job making it look like we were a great company. And that's one of the things that when I came on as a salesperson that we used all those reviews and things such as that to you know give us that uh, that reputation, that credibility. Um, so beyond that, um, you know, whenever you're you're signing the contract to get work done, uh, put as low of money down as possible, and it's always negotiable, right? It's always negotiable. And then the other thing I would say is is negotiate you know payments and draws, right? And then the last thing I would do, and I'll say I would never, never, and I and I recommend this to everybody. Never pay out in full until the job is completely buttoned up, punch list and everything. So, you know, withhold 10% or 20% or whatever, um, but never pay out in full until the job is exactly how you like it. All right, let's take a quick break. I hope you're enjoying this awesome episode. If this episode has got you pumped up and you're looking for more ways to learn, network, and take action, make sure you go over to www.militarycashflow.com dot com where we're doing our absolute best to provide our military community with tons of value here's just a few things you'll find when you go to militarycashflow.com you'll find our books you'll find the military cash flow facebook group where we have thousands of new and experienced military investors networking and asking and answering questions you'll find our military cash flow real estate investing course that teaches you everything you need to know to buy a cash flowing producing asset. We teach you how to find the deal, how to analyze, how to renovate, how to build your team and maintain that property. You'll find our one-on-one -on -one coaching programs. And when you're ready to start taking action and invest, or you're looking just to PCS, we'll even vet and find an investor and military friendly realtor in your area at zero cost to you. So make sure you head over to www.militarycashflow.com to get access to all these great tools. And lastly, and I would almost say most importantly, make sure you share this information with another military member that might find it valuable. And with that said, let's get back into this episode. Love it. Love it. That's an excellent, excellent advice. And that's the only thing that honestly protected me from losing out on like 50 something thousand dollars. So yeah, um, absolutely. Because of, the, because of paying out in those draw schedules. So I think you're hundred percent right on, man. Um, yeah. So yeah. So we, we started, we worked for a job. We realized very quickly that that's probably not the way to go and that's not going to work for you. You saw the writing on the wall, what was going on with this company. Yeah. And then how do we get into wholesaling, man? Cause so yeah, man. So go ahead, go ahead. No, I said, so in the meantime, you know, while I'm doing this remodeling job, man, uh, one of my wife's best friends uh, is a close family friend. Our daughter's are best friends. Um, you know, she she was uh, she owned a jewelry store. But over the course of the 20 years that she owned this jewelry store, she had been building up a rental portfolio. And then within the last three, three years or so, two to three years, um, she had been doing a couple flips. So she, she was at the house all the time and we were hanging out and she was talking about her flips. I, you know, I started living vicariously through her. And yeah, she knew what I was doing with on the uh, renovation side and uh, remodeling. So we would joke and, and mess around and say, hey, we need to do something together. We need to do something together. Um, so actually in 2018, um, she ended up closing her jewelry store. 
because you know she just wasn't pass, passionate about it anymore. She was burnt out. Um, and so in August of 2018, I partnered with her and one other person to start this company. And that was one month before the other company shut down. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, when we got into this together, neither of us had a whole bunch of money to just, just go start buying properties and doing renovations and stuff like that. Um, you know, her experience is really just uh, her building her rental portfolio and the property says she was getting the flip were mostly off of MLS, you know, a couple pocket listings from realtors. So not really going out and, uh, you know, you know, uh, marketing for off-market properties. Um, so we were like, well, we ain't, we ain't got a bunch of money. We need to figure out how to make money without any money. So she told me, she was like, uh, man, I, she's like, I've done this thing before. And it was actually by accident. And she's like, uh, you know, I had a property I was going to flip. I got it under contract. And like the next day, this guy comes in and he wants the same property and he was willing to pay $10,000 more than what I had on the contract for. So she said, you know, I just assigned it my the contract over to him and at closing, I walked away with 10 grand. And I was like, huh, that sounds like it's pretty easy. And so, I, I, you know, I was like, well, let me do some research. And so I went down a rabbit hole, man, YouTube University podcast, all that stuff. And I found wholesaling and then I was just hooked, man. So from there, I was like, I told her and, uh, and my other partner, I said, this is it. And, and I went all in. It, like I said, it took us about four months uh, in December of 18. So we started in August, December of 18. We locked up our first contract for $30,000. And we're yes. like, I mean, this was uh, three properties or three parcels with four buildings on it. And these are run down like the, the it was overgrown over the house. I mean, it was just in the crappy part of a town. And uh, we're like, man, 30 grand, you know. So uh Long story short, we closed on that uh, property in January of 2019, sold it for 60 grand. So we walked away with a check for 30 grand and we we're like, proof of concept. This is it. Let's do it. So I what went a proof all of in. concept too, dude. 30 grand. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> That's a proof man. Of concept for you right there. Absolutely. So I went all in, man. And, uh, you know, for the, our first full calendar year, 2019, I think we ended up doing like 18 deals, uh, about $150,000 in revenue. Um, well, going into the last quarter of 2019, I look up and I'm like, man, I'm grinding. And, you know, I feel like I'm doing most of the work and I was doing 80 to 90 percent of the work. And uh, but I'm splitting everything three ways. So, you know, I'm worried. This is my wife's best friends. We're close friends. The other uh, partner we had was a friend. And we always say, you know, we'll never let friendship come between business. And uh, so finally, I, I, you know, my wife was like, you just need to talk to him. So in uh, is the week of go, leading into Thanksgiving of 2019, uh, we were having a meeting and finally, you know, I just said, hey, I need to have this crucial conversation. Here's what I'm feeling. And as soon as I brought it up, you can kind of see this weight lifted off their shoulders. Well, one of them, my wife's best friend is 10 years older than me. And our other partner is 15 years older than me. And uh, one was retired. She came out of retirement. The other one already had, you know, income coming in from her rentals. So they were just looking for something part-time, kind of like a hobby. And uh, here I am, I'm, I'm all in. So they felt like I was dragging them along faster than they wanted to go. And I felt like they were handcuffing me from going where I wanted to go, right? So we, it, we quickly came up with an agreement. I'm talking about within a couple of days um, for me to buy them out. Um, after Thanksgiving, I was running the company by myself. We finalized the buyout in January of 2020. And, uh, and then it was 100% me. So case scenario right there, I mean, you're right. A lot of times that 
that money will mess stuff up. I, but I assume like yeah. where they were at in the stages of their life, that that definitely helped the situation. That's awesome. Absolutely, man. And uh, we're uh, still best friends. My wife uh, and her are still best friends. She's still hanging out all the time over the house. We're over her house. So didn't affect the friendship at all. Um, and like I said, sometimes you just got to have those crucial conversations, put your feelings out there and you never know how the other person's feeling. So, you know, just be open, honest and transparent and uh, things work themselves out. So, uh, you know, like I said, we finished 2019, about $150,000 of revenue. Uh, started January 2020 just by myself wearing all the hats. And I hired my first full-time employee in April, April 1st, 2020, an executive assistant. Well, the next week, we get a mandatory stay-at-home order because COVID hit, right? <laughs> so that set us back a good bit. But, uh, you know, after we got that stay-at-home order, I was able to, you know, spend a lot of time training her up because we couldn't go on appointments or do things like that. Um, and so uh, after they lifted that stay-at-home order, it was game on. And uh, speed things up a little bit. We finished 2020. Uh, I think we did 38 deals and about $300,000 in revenue. Uh, which is double what we did in 2019. And you're not splitting it three ways. <laughs> and I'm not splitting it three ways. So, so big difference. And that, you know, that's about a 50% profit margin too. Yeah. So, so big deal on that. Um, and then go ahead. No. So, so what I was going to say is that, like for the audience that doesn't know, I met Vaughn at uh, Flip Hacking Live. And if you guys go back to our Instagram page, you'll see the video that I shot with him. Also, I, I, may, I may have put it on, I, I may have been on YouTube as well. I'm not sure. but um. One of the things that really stuck out about you was that uh, was the way that you were actually marketing and finding uh, off market deals. Right. Uh, most people, it seemed like uh, you were he was a speaker on stage at this uh, this event. Right. Um, and most of the people talking were doing uh, some form of uh, calling or a lot of people were doing letters. Right. Well, Vaughn was doing driving for dollars. And I want you to touch on that. And like, oh, why, absolutely. Why that? why that worked so well for you. Cause you kind of mentioned, you kind of alluded to it a little bit back at the beginning where you're like, Hey, we're trying to start this thing with no money. But um, yeah. I mean, you see the type of success and the type of uh, um, the type of deals you're able to do that first year. And I imagine that was, you know, the main, uh, the main portion of your, of your, I guess, income, if you will. Absolutely. Yeah. So that first deal I talked about, that was a driving for dollars lead. So since we didn't have a ton of money, uh, that you probably, I think it was September. So a month after we got started, we found deal machine, um, and, you know, put boots to the ground. We got in our cars and started driving around looking for distressed properties. Um, and you know, for that, uh, I think at the time we were maybe paying 50 bucks a month, um, you know, for a single person or, you know, a small, I think it's two or three people, uh, subscription. Um, but it was easy to just go out there, drive areas, take a picture of, uh, your properties. Um, but the best thing about it is, once you take a picture of the property, we can send them a postcard right then and there. Um, so we just started doing that. And literally, I'm talking about we were seeing like 20 to 50 a week, uh, you know, depending on how much money we had, you know, you got a little extra money. So it wasn't like mailing out 5,000 or 10,000 postcards. It was just getting really targeted, um, you know, with those driving for dollar sleeves. So and so walk the audience through just one quick once around what the, like how it start, how it works from start to finish from, from doing yeah. the... Uh, from trying to find the lead to actually closing out the lead, just for those that are unfamiliar with what wholesaling is and what driving for dollars even means and, and those and those things. Absolutely, man. So that that we use the deal machine and, uh, you know, it's changed tremendously in the last three years that we've been using it. Um, but really what it allows you to do is, you know, you have an app on your phone 
And it's kind of like Google Maps, right? So once you pull up the app, you have a little map feature there. And as you drive around, um, you can look for houses that show some sign of physical distress. Um, so a tarp on the roof, you know, gutters are hanging off, uh, windows boarded up, grass is overgrown, things such as that. And so I'll just pull up in front of the property. And, uh, you know, when I pull up in front of the property, all I had to do is on your map, you can see the property on the, the aerial view. And you would touch on the property, click on the property, and it'll pop up. And it had the owner's information, the address, and all that stuff. And you can click to add the lead and then take a picture of it. Well, the best thing about Deal Machine, and, and I, the reason I think it works so well, uh, is because that picture is a real-time picture, right? So many people do Google uh, Street View, uh, and when they send postcards, and a lot of people don't do any pictures. Well, we get calls all the time off our postcards, and it's somebody that may maybe they live out of state, or they live in another city, or they live in the same city, but just hadn't seen their property in two or three years. And when they get that postcard in the mail, they're like, looking at it and they're like wait that is my property it's just it looks totally different because it hadn't been taken care of you know the tenants haven't taken care of it it's overrun and uh then they got to make a decision okay do i want to go in there and fix up the property do i want to let them continue to you know uh tear it apart you know um or do i want to get rid of it and when they decide they want to get rid of it they call us so um, that's been a huge benefit of doing driving for dollars. Um, a lot of people do driving for dollars, just go adding properties, but making sure that you're taking real-time photos. So they call into our office, um, you know, just saying that, Hey, I got a postcard. I'll I'm interested in selling. And then we hand them off to one of our um, acquisition specialists whose job then is to get them to, you know, build rapport, get them to know, like, and trust them and build a relationship, uh, get as much information on the property, pre-qualify them. Uh, and then send them the underwriting to, to get a offer or a letter of intent to go back to them with. Um, then it's a job of just negotiating, um, getting it under contract for the lowest possible price. And then once we get that, once we have that contract signed, we now have an equitable interest in the property, right? So we can decide what's the best, what's the best exit strategy for us. Now, the best exit strategy for us when we first started in that first year was we only had one exit strategy. We had to find somebody else to buy the property because <laughs> we, we didn't have the money to do anything with it, right? So, uh, you know, now we realize that we had to start building the buyer's list, marketing it on the on the, the backside, on the disposition side. So marketing for buyers, uh, sending emails out, text messages and things such as that. And so now our focus went from not just, you know, marketing for sellers, it's growing the buyer's list, right? And the bigger your buyer's list, the more money you're going to make per, per contract. So then we'll market it to our buyers, um, accept the highest and best offer, put it in escrow, go to close, and get a check or get a wire into our account. Excellent. That was an so. excellent, excellent explanation from start, to, from start to finish. So if you didn't know what wholesaling was, you didn't know how it works, you didn't know how the driving for dollars piece works, then th there's your explanation. Just rewind that back and make sure to listen to that because um, they're, they're it's very easy to explain, um, but there are a lot of steps in there that, you know, that you got to do. Oh, so, absolutely. Um, and, and you're right, man. It's a relationship business. It's a lot about building rapport and, um, and, and trust and, you know, continued follow-up. So, um, and we, we talked several times offline after you got off the, after you got off the stage as well. And yep. um, I, I just really like how you're operating the business. And I didn't know about uh, the, the, uh, 
the fitness business prior to. And then now it makes sense like that you yeah. you've ran a business and you've done it several times. So with that said, how, how has that helped, you know, having that fitness business in the background and, you know, working with another company where you kind of identified issues, how did your experience help lead you up to, you know, building what you have now and continuing to scale that? Oh, absolutely, man. It's, uh, I learned a lot of what not to do and a lot of what to do, right? So from my previous business, from working for somebody else for that one year, and I've, I've started multiple businesses, you know, whether it's online or, um, you know, I did for a little bit, I did like, you know, just straight soccer specific, you know, skills and sports performance, things such as that. Um, I actually, in the fitness business, um, I coached a lot of other fitness business owners mm. uh, to you know, get to get to the level of success that I had. Um, and so, you know, I ran mastermind groups. There's a lot of things that from experience, you learn a lot what you, uh, a lot of what to do and what not to do. Um, so taking that into consideration, when I started this business, um, even with my partners, I was very, very clear and intentional on making sure that one, I created this as a lifestyle business, right? So time was more important to me than anything else. Um, so we didn't do any work on the weekends. Um, you know, we set a set time to go home, um, you know, and I wouldn't take away from my family time to work on the business. So I was intentional about that. Uh, the two other things that I think are crucial to get that has allowed us to get to the point where we're at now is implementing an operating system with systems and processes. So uh, we use EOS. It's something I learned in my uh, fitness business that it's a lot harder to implement something when you don't have anything in place and you got a full team and get them on board than it is to start with a, uh, a operating system. And uh, so systems and processes, uh, you know, meeting cadence, tracking KPIs, all those things are, are, are extremely important and have been crucial to our success. success. And then the, the last thing is implementing profit first. So a, uh, you know, accounting methodology. That's and important. That's, <laughs> that is huge, man. It's huge, especially when starting a business because it makes sure that you're always getting paid. <laughs> and as the, as the owner operator, um, which is, I mean, it's very important, um, but it also makes uh, makes it that you can only grow based off of whatever is in that operating expense allocation account, right? So that dictates your growth. Whereas a lot of people just take the money, every dollar they make and dump it back into the company. Nope, you got to make sure that you're getting paid and you get compensated for your efforts. And But also it makes you drive that much harder to grow that operating expense account so you can continue to grow your business. That's excellent. So I was- I read that book uh, by Mike Michalowicz, I, I believe, yep. the, the called Profit, Profit First. First. It's a really good read if you guys haven't read it and you're trying to start your entrepreneurship journey. Yeah, I think it's a necessary read for sure. Um, but, you know, so I set those foundations when I started the company. Um, even after I bought my partners out and started hiring people on my own, uh, I had those things in place. I had systems and processes in place. And, uh, you know, I said, I tell you earlier, we finished 2020. Um, with about $300,000 or $300, in revenue, right? About a 50% profit margin. Well, in January, 2021, I hired a full-time acquisitions manager and a full-time dispositions manager. Um, I spent the entire month of January casting my vision uh, to them and what the potential this company had. Um, neither one of them had any real estate investing experience. So I had to train them up on uh, wholesaling, you know, buying holes, fixing flips, creative financing, all these things. Um, so it literally took us probably the whole first quarter of 2021 to get everybody up to speed. 
And with that being said, I think we did four deals in the first quarter of uh, 2021. And they weren't big deals. Like one of them was like four grand. It was a carryover from December of uh, 2020. And the other ones were like, I mean, I think the largest one was like maybe 15 grand. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't huge deals. But sometimes you got to pull the reins back, right? And get your systems, processes, or get your house in order before you can move forward. And that's what we did is we just spent time training, setting the foundation, getting our, all our systems and processes dialed in and fine-tuned. And then, you know, once April came, second quarter, let them loose. And uh, speed things up a little bit. We finished, um, we finished 2021 at $1.3 million in revenue. And that's, you know, wholesaling revenue. That doesn't count in that we uh, acquired eight rental properties buying holes. And then we also... Uh, we created nine notes. So we only finance nine properties. Uh, so we got about $1.5 million in assets on top of that $1.3 million in, in revenue. Bravo, man. That's phenomenal, dude. Now, I really like that you emphasize the point of you have to take, you know, take a step back sometime to get your foundation in order, right? Especially as you're, as you're trying to scale and you're trying to implement more people into your operation, right? You, you've got to take that time back. Um, and, it, and it doesn't do anything but multiply like exponentially as soon as you take that time back to really focus on your people um i, I really love that part of um i really love that part and and it speaks to how you're able to generate so much revenue um really within three quarters we're not talking a year really three yeah. quarters essentially based off what you're saying so i mean absolutely that's, that's phenomenal that is absolutely phenomenal appreciate that man and the, yeah like our team is 11 right now and as of monday Two days from now, uh, I hired three more acquisition specialists that are, hire, are starting on Monday. So that put us at 14. And then uh, I'm hiring a marketing specialist here in the next couple of weeks. And I'm already in the interview process right now of hiring a COO uh, that'll be put in place by the uh, beginning of second quarter. So these are all things that have uh, you know allowed us to scale. And, it, and if I wouldn't have took that step back, pulled the reins back a little bit and just get focused on the, the systems and processes. And most importantly, the vision and the mission of the company, and getting people bought in, we wouldn't be where we are now. So how did, with that said, that's one thing I was going to ask about as well. You said you spent January, 2021, basically focusing on your vision and focusing on the plan. What did that look yeah. like for you? Cause I think that's well, not just important only in business, but also in life. Like, especially if you have a relationship, taking a step back and figuring out the vision and the plan for your family, uh, along with kind of a timeline, right? So, yeah. uh, speak to us, man. How, how do you, how do you even start that process and and yeah. what, what did you find was most effective for you to to, to build a, a solid plan yeah man well let's go back uh you know in december of 2020 is really when i put that vision and uh mission in place and and i look at it you know december is a slow month month for us um you know i get my team off uh you know basically between christmas and new year's uh so the week before christmas and all the way up to new year's day so about the last two weeks of december it, we're not really doing anything um, so with that being said, too, at that point, it was just me and my executive assistant. And I looked up probably around Thanksgiving of 2020. And I was like, you know, what am I doing? Like, yeah, I'm wholesaling and I'm making good money. But what am I doing? I just got my head down. And my only focus right now is, is at that point was just to make money. Right. Get properties on the contract, assign them. Get properties on the contract, assign them. But what am I doing this for? What's going to keep me doing this for the next 10, 15, 20 years? Right. And uh, when I thought about that, you know, I was like, I need to really, you know, figure out what's, what's the mission, what's the vision of this company. So I spent probably the whole month of December in my basement, 
in my little man cave um, on my poker table. I had my computer, my monitors, a whole bunch of you know notebooks and books and uh, figuring out what the vision of this company was. And so I really had to have that purpose. And from that um, came our core purpose. And so right now, as we move forward and in most of 2020, our core purpose is to provide the dream of home ownership through non-traditional financing. Mm. So what we want to do is we have three core beliefs. Core belief number one, everybody deserves a nice place to stay. Should they be capable of and willing to take care of it? Core belief number two is that everybody deserves to be a homeowner should they want to be and can afford to be. And core belief number three is the person that's paying $1,000 a month in rent would much rather pay $1,000 a month to own. So if we find a person that has, that meets those three core beliefs and they agree with those three core beliefs like we do, you know, what we, what we do now is instead of assigning properties, if we have the funds available, let's say we get a property under contract for $50,000. We're gonna go take that property down we're going to make sure that that property has uh, good solid bones. So good roof, you know, no leaks. If it is, if it's on the, uh, the end term of uh, is where, then we're going to replace it. Make sure it has a good working HVAC system. If we need to replace it, we will. No foundational issues. And then clean out the property, maybe uh, some paint and carpet. And then we want to find a buyer who's looking for a pro- uh, to be a homeowner, but can't get traditional financing. So they don't qualify for FHA you know, conventional financing. And it's not just because of credit. Maybe it's because they have no credit. Maybe it's because um, they're self-employed, right? They don't have two years of, uh, you know, W-2s. So there's a lot of reasons that somebody can't get qualified for traditional FHA financing. And if we go back and look at uh, the first three months after COVID hit, 55% of people that apply for a mortgage were getting denied. So there's a huge pool of people out there that they're tired of renting. They want to be a homeowner, but they just are not to the point at this point in time where they can get approved for FHA or conventional financing. So we're giving them that opportunity. So what we're doing is taking a property that we've bought. We're then, usually we're buying that property with private money. We're wrapping that note with another note by selling it to an end buyer. So we're taking usually a 12% or more down payment and we're financing anywhere from eight to 10%. And our number one goal is to put them in a position where within three to five years after they buy the property from us, they can go and refinance us out. And so uh, that's special right there. That, that definitely is special. And I, and I know um, in talking to uh, a lot of my peers that aren't in the military, uh, we're not mm-hmm. uh, just just in speaking to uh, family members and other people, especially like the young, younger, like 22 to 27 range, everybody's trying to get into a house, but it's uh, but just like you said, man, some people aren't able to, to, to qualify for it, whether it be the W-2 issue. I mean, honestly, wages and credit and student loans, all these things play a factor. So uh, for Absolutely. you to be able to get in there and, and offer them like basically basically a rent to own option. Um, that's, yep. that's, that's that's special, man. Appreciate that. And so if you look at what our 10 year mission is or a big, hairy, audacious goal or whatever you want to call it, our goal is to. Uh, provide that dream of home ownership to 500 families by 12, 31, 2030. Nice. So that's our big mission. That's what we're focusing on. That's what we're thriving, uh, working towards every single day. So our only hurdle is money, right? <laughs> Just like everybody else. If we had all the money in the world, every property we would get under contract, 
uh, we'll take down, we'll create that equity, we'll sell it on to uh, somebody that needs owner financing. So nice. I want you guys to key in on how uh, how specific that goal was, right? At the date, the time, exactly exactly what was, was supposed to happen. And like, it's pretty much the measurable goal, man. I, I think that's that's key to uh, to defining your goals and actually accomplishing your goals. Because you, you can't just say, oh, we want to provide you know, homes to a bunch of people. It's like, now nah, we want 500, yeah. 500 homes, 23 to 231. And this is the reason why. So I, I think that's really, yeah. really special. That'll help you get there. Yeah. It yeah, has man. to be that's that smart goal, right? Specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time oriented. Mm. <laughs> smart goals. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. So um, we, 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 started offering a bunch of different it seems like you kind of went off of just wholesaling right and then you started branching off kind of that vertical integration if you will with offering notes with uh also buying you know turning them turning some into rental properties but it seems like the hub was all wholesaling right um, oh absolutely yeah i mean that's what wholesaling is wholesaling is the art of finding off-market properties right getting really good at finding off-market properties. And I look at our, our uh, core company, REI Junkies, we're a sales and marketing company. That's what we are. You know, we find off-market properties, we get in touch with sellers, see if they're interested in selling, and then we build a relationship with them, get them to know, like, and trust us, get it on the contract for the lowest possible price. And then from there, we can determine what's the best exit strategy for us for that property. And if you look at it, though, the thing is with wholesaling, wholesaling is 100% transactional, right? So when you get a property under contract, you assign that property, you close, guess what you have to do? You got to go find another property to make money. So it's all about building uh, generational wealth, building cash flow. And the only way to do that is through buying holes and to own the finance or be the bank. Multiple streams of income, you know, that's, multiple that's, streams of income. That's awesome. So, so uh, kind of wrapping up a little bit, I, and I love everything that you, you, you discussed so far, you kind of gave us the rundown and I really appreciate, you know, the beginning part of your journey, especially like uh, identifying what, you know, what was going on and then what, how you needed to pivot essentially. But um, for those speak to people out there with a job right now, right? We, we want to get started wholesaling and, but I have a, I have a full-time job. What are mm -hmm. some things that you would recommend to them uh, on how to get started and what should they be doing? Uh, well, you know, I, I'm a big believer in buying speed. So if they're watching this, this uh, video, this podcast, um, they're already doing the work, you know, they're researching, they're going down uh, the rabbit hole of YouTube University and they're doing what they need to be doing to educate themselves. But at some point you got to take action. And I think if you have a full-time job, Maybe you got some money that you'll be able to put away. Um, find yourself a coach by speed. And that's what coaching is. You know, uh, whether it's a coach, it's a coaching program, it's a mastermind, you're buying speed. You're not reinventing the wheel. You know, everything that I've done in my company at, to this point and everything I did in previous companies, I didn't invent a single thing, right? I went to a coach or I joined a mastermind or I joined a program that gave me the systems, tools, and processes. And what I had to do is just take those and then tweak them to what I was doing and then implement and take action. So find a coach, find a program, speed the process up. And then the most important thing is you can sit there and, and watch YouTube videos. You can go through a course, you can listen to podcasts in the car, but you, nothing will happen unless you take action. 
you got to start. Excellent. Excellent. And if you guys listen to enough, enough of the episodes, that's like the number one piece of advice that, that, that has been given out every single time, like take action, take action, take action, take action. So if you're listening to this and you're like, man, dude, I've, I've been, I've been on YouTube university. I've been reading books. I've been doing all this for, for six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 months. It might be that time. This is for you. This is Bond telling you. This is Dan telling you, but Bond, I'm echoing what Bond's saying. <laughs> Absolutely. It's time to take some action, man. That's yeah. awesome. That's great. Yeah, but you know, not just take action. You know, take educated action. Get a coach or get a course that's going to show you exactly what to do to get started. Right? Stop the trial and error. That's going to take you a long time. Make the investment. And yeah, like I said, it's, it's buying speed. And here's one thing I want to say. I tell people this all the time. We call ourselves investors, right? And we will invest in a property or an opportunity quick. But there's no better investment than in ourselves and in our business. So make the investment, hire a coach, get started. True. Excellent. Well, Vaughn, uh, thanks so much for coming on. I know uh, people out there listening is like, man, how do I get in touch with this dude? Uh, like he, he's just, just, just killing it right now. Just killing the game. And then he's a great coach, great person. How do our listeners get in contact with you? Uh, the easiest way to get in touch with me is going on Facebook. Just my name, Vaughn Bethel, V-A-U-G-H-N-B-E-T-H-E-L-L. Uh, find me, friend me, send me a message. Um, I'm on Facebook more than any other platform um, that might make me old. Um, I do. I am on Instagram every now and then, um, and LinkedIn, but mostly I'm on Facebook and that's the easiest way to get in touch with me. Excellent. Thanks for, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate all the information you gave. I appreciate, you know, your story and sharing it. We'll go ahead and uh, push that out and make sure it goes out to the masses, man. I know this is going to be very inspirational for a lot of people. So my pleasure, Dan. I appreciate you having me on, man. This is awesome. Excellent. Hey, so um, if you're listening to this on YouTube, do us a favor, hit the like button, uh, leave us a comment, man. Uh, you know, Vaughn's on Facebook. He's also on our Facebook group, I believe, as well. Uh, so make sure to join the, the Military Cash Flow Facebook group if you're not already in it. We got service members on there helping each other build wealth and create cash flow. Um, if you're listening to this on podcast, leave us a review. We really appreciate those as well. That helps us grow the channel. That helps us get more great people like Vaughn uh, on to, to come and tell their story. And then ultimately it ends up helping you uh, even more because you get to hear the story. So uh, with that said, this is Dan Wynn signing off.